As you know, we've had a wonderful last several weeks, three weeks of the first of the year. We've been doing something different. We've had three communicators from three generations have three perspectives on one subject, the subject of prayer. And so we started off with the, the baby boomer, and Verna did a great job starting things off in the first service three week, two weeks ago, and then we went to the Gen Xer with, with uh, uh, Pastor Josh, and, and then we had our first service with Jason as our millennial, and Jason gets to do today, and I'm so excited about this message. You're going to be blown away by what you're about to hear today. Jason is our director of our senior high class. He does an outstanding job. Um, former Marine, served two terms in Afghanistan. Thank you for your service, Jason. We mean that with all of our hearts. And, and Jason and Kareen, Kareen led worship today. They're, an, a, they're a power couple here, and they really are our future. And I present Jason today as a millennial because he really does represent the millennials well here at IFC. His passion for God, his desire to learn, his desire to be a blessing, uh, his desire to constantly improve and, uh, and, and make a difference here at IFC. I'm so grateful for this mighty man of God. Will you please stand to your feet as you honor, please, our senior high director, Jason Ferreira. God bless you, Jason. Love you, Jason. All right, all right. You may be seated. You may be seated. Thank you, thank you, and welcome. Um, if there is any of our IFC youth students out there, shout out to you guys. Thanks for stopping in. And if you're a parent of a sixth grader to a 12th grader, always please, please, if you have a chance, stop by our youth room in the back and thank our volunteers because they invest so much time into your students' lives, Snapchatting them, checking their Instagram, seeing how they are doing. So please, please stop by and thank our leaders for all that they do. Um, and thinking about, you know, uh, during our fast and doing our fast, a lot of you are, if you're participating with us, you know, it's getting a little bit of tough. You know, we're halfway past there. All right, I'm a Brazilian. I like my rice, beans, and my meat. And when I don't, when I take out my beans and my meat, I struggle a little bit. And I'm like, Lord, I just can't wait till that fast is done so I can get that nice barbecue, that big juicy steak and eat it and be like, yes, Lord, it's coming next Sunday. Some of y'all might want to come to first service, you know, because you, you can technically end it a little bit earlier because Pastor Jonathan has cast the vision. So we're done with our fast so we can go and we can eat some food. So just remember that. <laughs> so. And thinking about prayer and what I want to speak about today, if I could title this message, I would title it Stick With It. Why stick with it, right? It's 2018, new year. We want to start new patterns with our lives. We want to start eating healthy. We want to start working out, right? But we have to stick with it because it doesn't matter if you work out for a week, you're not going to see the results right then and there. You have to stick with it and create a habit out of it because all of a sudden, three to four months from now, you're going to look at yourself in January and be like, man, look how much weight and how much progress that I have done until this point right now. So you got to stick with it. And that's the same exact thing with prayer. So in speaking about prayer, if there's one thing that I want you to take away from this message is that prayer and fasting are made to be simple that anyone is able to do it. It's not about what we do outwardly, but it is what is in our hearts that 
matters. And that's exactly what Jesus kind of wanted to say. And I wanted to talk about prayer and then transition into talking about fasting. And why does this all matter? Why does prayer and fasting matter in our lives? So Jesus kind of gave us the example. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13, Jesus kind of breaks it down and says, if you're going to pray, pray in this way. So it says, in this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, this wasn't a drop-the-mic moment for Jesus. Jesus wasn't doing anything big. He wasn't doing anything new. He simply was changing a common prayer that the Jewish people had back then, and he tweaked it just a little bit. Why? Kind of to make it personal. And the first point that we kind of can talk about today is connect. So when Jesus was giving this example of prayer, he actually just wanted to for the people to connect with God in a relational way. And it says, the first portion, it says, Our Father in heaven. In Romans chapter 8, verse 15, it says, So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. And now we call him Abba, Father. So we have to connect with God relationally. And that's what Jesus was trying to say. Because back then they thought that God was this almighty God, right? Everybody heard about the Ten Commandments and they had a ton of parties and festivals just to honor God. And it wasn't really connecting with them relationally because it was all about laws and following rules. And they kind of lost the, the whole intention of what the laws of the Old Testament were supposed to do. And what Jesus is trying to say here is connect with the father relationally. Because I have a one-year-old, um, and he is sleeping through the night. Don't worry. Yeah, we are good. We're past that phase. Thank God. Um, but I love it when my one-year-old calls me. He goes, sometimes I'm working upstairs, and I hear him downstairs in his little play space uh, with his mom, and he says, Dada. And he yells, Dada. Dada. And sometimes I go and I poke my head and I was like, I'm right here, buddy. How's it going? And he gives me this big and big smile and it brings joy to my heart. And that's exactly what God wants from us. He wants us to call him father. Hey, father. Hey, dad. Can you come and help me? Or hey, father. Hey, dad. You know, I just wanted to say hi. That's it. That's the type of relationship that the Father, that God wants to have with us, not just a bunch of rules and saying, King Almighty of the highest. No, no, we can just bring it. Tone it down. God wants to connect with you relationally. So that's what Jesus was trying to say to the disciples. And then the second portion of the verse, it says that, Hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. That's a weird word to say for me, just a little bit weird. But it just means honor. And how do we honor people? We honor people by thanking them for what they have done, right? Anybody's going to receive a reward, what do we do? We thank you for your service. We thank you for the X amount of hours that you have devoted for our community. And that's how we honor them. And that's how we can honor God. Why don't you thank God for what he has done in your life and what he is doing in your life right now? 
Can we be thankful that we have a roof over our heads? Can we be thankful that we have food to eat? Can we be thankful that our bills are paid and be thankful, be like, Jason, my bills aren't paid. A couple of them are past due. Well, start thanking God that he's going to supply that need and he's going to pay those bills that are past due. So start thanking God, even though you don't see it yet, thank him for all that he has done for you and all that he is going to do in your life. And the second point that we have in the prayer is to ask. Jesus wants us to ask. And it says that your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And in John chapter 14, verse 13, it says this, And I will do whatever you ask in my name as my representative. This I will do so that the Father may be glorified and celebrated in the Son. And now I know some of you are thinking, yes, this is the part that I get to go and I get to ask whatever I need from God. Lord, I want a bigger house. I need a bigger car. I want that truck. We see that Jeep Wrangler, people driving it, nice, blacked out, big rims, big wheels. And we're like, Lord, that's mine. I need it in the name of Jesus. Just hold up a second. If we take a look at the verse, it says, you ask in my name as my representative. And what does a representative do? He represents the good of the people or a larger group of people, and he stands for what is good for them. So what Jesus is trying to say here is, yeah, pray as my representative. So what we have to do and what Jesus wanted us to do is to pray God's agenda, pray for his agenda. So this is the portion where we go into prayer that we go and we pray What is in God's heart? So what is in God's heart? It's his people. What is in God's heart? It's his church. What is in God's heart? It's all those people that we answered and we commented on Facebook praying for you. But sometimes we don't really pray for them right then and there. We just say like, yeah, I'll do it later. And whenever we go into the time of prayer, all of a sudden we start remembering, oh yeah, I told them that I was going to pray for them. So it's those exact people that Jesus is saying, pray for them. And then the verse says that, give us this day our daily bread. And this is where we kind of tone it down. And this is where we can pray for our needs. This is where we break it down and we say, Lord, this is what I need in my life. This is what my heart really needs right now, where we can open up, where we can be honest with God and let the Lord know, this is what my needs are. This is what my wants are. I just, Lord, you know what is going on in my life. And let's be honest, you can just be honest with God because he already knows everything. You just got to tell him, like, you know, whenever your kids need $20 to go to the movies, they just plain out ask you, hey, mom, dad, can I have $20, please? This is where you can ask the father anything that you want or need. The third point is check yourself before you wreck yourself. <clears throat> yes. And, and, and this portion of the prayer, it says that, and forgive us our debt as we forgive our debtors and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Proverbs 16, 2, it says that all the ways of man are clean and innocent in his own eyes. And he may see nothing wrong 
with his actions, but the Lord weighs and examines the motives and intents of the heart and knows the truth. Some of you may say, Jason, my life is perfectly fine right now. I, I have my morning routine with God. I do everything. I'm praying. I'm even fasting with the church, and I don't need anything extra in my life. There is nothing wrong with me, but that's just us judging ourselves. But what, what happens if we truly ask God, is there anything in my life that keeps me away from you? Have you ever prayed that prayer? Have you ever got serious, a little bit serious with God and said, you know what? I, I, I think I have nothing wrong, but let me ask my father to see if there's anything wrong. And all of a sudden, there might be that small little thing that starts to tug in your heart. And as you're praying this prayer, you just feel it. And you're like, ah, oh, Lord, no, not that. And I'm just going to pretend like I didn't hear you, Lord. And then all of a sudden, he starts tugging. And you're like, ah, oh, man, all right, I think that I'm going to have to give it up. And that's the same exact thing that happened to me. So I joined the Marine Corps in 2009, in August of 2009. And while I was serving, I, I picked up a couple of bad habits, and I kind of ran away from church, and I started to do things I wasn't supposed to do, and I, I picked up a bad addiction. And that addiction, whenever I came back to Christ, I, I recommitted myself to Christ. You know, some of us, we're not perfect. We carried baggage into the church, and that's perfectly fine. We can come as we are, but we got to know that the love of God is going to want to change us, and our love for God is going to make us want to change. So whenever I came in, I was like, you know, God hasn't really spoken to me about this. You know, there's those gray areas in the Bible. It doesn't technically say you're not supposed to do it, but you kind of say, well, I know. Well, it doesn't say I can't, so I'm going to kind of do it on the side, and hopefully God never says anything about it. So I picked up this addiction. It was pretty bad, but I kind of had a moment with God, and God just said, you know what, Jason, you're, you're going to have to give that up. And I was like, Lord, really? He's like, yes, really, because God is never going to push himself away from us. It's we that we push ourselves away from God. And it's not that God builds walls in front of us and that we can't get close to him, but we are the ones that put up the walls and kind of push ourselves away from God. And when something happens, we ask, where is God? Where was God when I needed him the most? He was right there, but that wall was blocking you. So what that addiction kind of did, I said, Lord, all right, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll try to stop it. But the beautiful thing about God is he doesn't let you do things by yourself. I said, Lord, if I'm going to do this, I need your help. And he said, all right, I'll help you out. And then I said, all right, well, I think I should tell somebody to keep me accountable and kind of to push me through, to, through you know, this addiction and to break this addiction because I need help. I'm not perfect. So I told one of my buddies, I said, hey, man, can, can, can you help me out a little bit? You know, I've been struggling with this. He said, yeah, man, I'm totally down. I get why you want to quit. I'll help you out. And all of a sudden, I quit cold turkey. And I wish that I, I told you guys that I didn't struggle with it anymore, but I can successfully say that today that's been more than seven years since I smoked a cigarette. And it came from smoking a pack a day to smoking no packs at all. And if you've ever you know, quit smoking, I can relate with you. It's tough, but hey, God can help us. He can push us through. If he did it for me, he can do it for you too as well. Amen? 
And all of a sudden, so we move into the fourth part, the fourth part of the prayer, which talks about faith. In verse 13 of this prayer that Jesus gave us in Matthew 6, it says, For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And what amen kind of means, it just simply means so be it. Everything that I just prayed right now at my time with God, so be it. So let it be done. And I believe that it's going to be done and accomplished. In Hebrews 11, verse 1, it talks about faith. And this is what it says. Now faith is the assurance, the title deed, confirmation of things hoped for, divinely guaranteed, and the evidence of things not seen, the conviction of their reality. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. Faith that God will do what is good for you. And as this title of the message says, is we have to stick with it. And what this verse is kind of talking about, it talks about having a faith that even though you don't see it in the physical realm, you're still believing that it's going to come to you. It's having faith. Things aren't easy. We have to believe and we have to stand our ground and believe that God is going to do what is good in our lives. And I remember of an instance of where God, we had to use our faith with God. We kind of had to use that real Bible faith, even though our eyes wasn't seeing it, but God was blessing us and God was working in the background. Um, I remember whenever I got married to my beautiful wife, uh, we've been married for four and a half years. Um, she puts up with me. She loves me. Um, I know sometimes I'm not easy, but uh, we are happily married. And whenever before we got married, she told me kind of we got engaged and she's like, listen, I just want to let you know that I might not have uh, the ability to have a child. So if you have intentions of having a family, then I might not be the right person for you. And I said, that doesn't matter to me. I love you. Um, I still want to get married to you. And then uh, my mother-in-law came and talked to me as well. And she said, I don't know if my daughter said anything, but just in case you didn't catch it, what she said is, that she, you know, she has medical complications, she has an immune deficiency disorder, so she might not be able to have a child. I said, it don't matter. I still love her. I want to marry her. So we get married. Two years into our marriage, we're kind of thinking, maybe this is the right time to start a family. And we're, we're like, okay, well, let's see what that would look like. And she went and she talked to her doctors. And her doctor said, I, you don't have the ability to have children. And hypothetically speaking, even if you were to get pregnant, we don't believe you're able to sustain the pregnancy full term. So it's not wise that you get pregnant. So my wife came back with that news and we said, well, all right, that's what the doctor said, but we're going to go and we're going to pray and we're going to believe and we're going to have faith because we believe that God put this desire in our heart. So we started to pray, and I wish that it was next week. We're like, yes, we're pregnant. We're happy, and it wasn't. We had to stick with it. It wasn't just a simple week. It wasn't just a simple month, but we had to stick with it every day, praying and believing and having faith, and even though we couldn't see it just yet, 
knowing that God will be faithful to bring it into existence. And then our church has something called the family blessing, where you can come during Thanksgiving and you can have communion with one of the um, pastors here on staff and they pray over you and whatever your needs are. So we came and we had uh, Pastor Mo and Miss Amy pray over us and pray, and we kind of explained what was happening and we're believing for a child. And they said, yes, we're going to agree uh, with prayer with you guys. Because sometimes we don't have to carry our own burdens. We can extend and ask people for help. Just be careful who you say what you're believing for. But you can trust people and say, can you agree in prayer with me? I'm really believing God for this and have people come alongside of you and pray with you and increase that capacity of faith. So I wish, again, next week we're pregnant. No, it wasn't like that. It was weeks. It was months after and still nothing. And then we had a, uh, our best friends um, that are here today, Josiah and Lauren, pray over us. And we told them what was happening. And we said, we're believing for a child. And can you guys please uh, pray with us? And I wish that next day we got pregnant, but it wasn't. It was days and weeks of us praying. And all of a sudden, we started to get our little scares, you know. Ooh, Kareem's a little bit late. Ah, go buy that pregnancy test. And, you know, being a good future father, I went and I bought the most expensive ones, right? <laughs> the, the earliest of the earliest detections. So excited and nothing. And all of a sudden, you know, a, a couple months went by and we're just super excited. And, oh, she's late. All right, go pregnancy test. But I'm not going to lie. After a while, you know, it went from the most expensive one to like, maybe we don't need the earliest of the earliest detection. And then it just went to the, what is the cheapest one I can buy? Uh, a little bit of doubt, a little bit of doubt. So we ended up buying the cheapest one. We put it under the, our bathroom sink and thought nothing of it. And all of a sudden, one day, Kareen wakes up and she says, oh, you know what? I'm not feeling good. I'm a little bit late. Why don't I just take the pregnancy test? And uh, she ended up taking it. And all of a sudden, I get a call from her. We always catch up during the morning. And we're like, oh, how are you? How are you doing? Okay. And I was like, well, you know, I'm a little bit busy. Uh, is there anything specific you want to say? Or we can just talk later. And she's like, yes, um, we're pregnant. And I was excited. I was for like two seconds, right? And if you're a father, you know exactly what I'm talking about. All that rush of responsibility just comes into your mind, and you're just like, all the bills, all the hospital bills, all the diapers, all the formula, and it just, it, it was crazy, but we didn't stop there. We had to stick with it, and we know what the doctors had said, but we knew we put our faith in God, so we prayed every single day over our child, every single doctor appointment we prayed. Every single ultrasound we went to, we prayed over him. And we kept on praying that every organ, every tissue in his body will form into the perfection at which God created it to be. And we prayed and we prayed. And the funny thing is that in November of 2016, in the same exact date that we had the family blessing, almost around the same time at 635, Xander Joshua Ferreira was born. Yes.
and to remind ourselves, specifically we named them Xander, which means defender of men, because we believe that God has a great work in his life. But we also named him Joshua because it says that God is generous. So every time that we speak his name, every time that we say his name, whether it be uh, yelling at him, be like, don't touch this, Xander, Joshua, Ferreira, but we are reminded of the blessing that God gave to us, and we're calling into existence what God has planned in his life. So never forget the blessings of God, and always remember to put your faith in God. So as prayer goes, and the prayer of how Jesus intended it to be was to connect with the Father, and then for us to ask, not simply for our needs, but to pray God's agenda. But remember to check yourself before you wreck yourself while you're praying and put your faith in everything that you are praying over. Because if God did it for me, we serve the same God. God can do it for you. It's not, it's not a different God. I don't have a secret red phone in my room that I can call God whenever I want. The same access I have to the Father, you can have to the Father. There's nothing special about me because we're all children of God. And God is a Father to us all. So we can access Him whenever we want, however we want, in prayer. So sometimes, maybe some of you need to get on your knees or take some time to pray and say, Father can you help me? Or Father, thank you so much. Because God is there waiting for us. But we're only going to get close to as God, as we want, whatever our desire is in our heart. Because God is there waiting. So if you want to draw close to God, God is saying, come, come closer to me. I want to be close to you. But if we could care less about God, thinking God is like a 7-Eleven grocery store or Amazon Prime, you can click get whatever you want as fast as you want. He doesn't want that relationship with you. He wants a relationship as a father is to a son and a daughter. And in speaking about fasting is, what does really fasting have anything to do with prayer? And fasting is simply denying your flesh in order to focus in filling your spirit. And in Matthew 6, verses 16 and 17, it says, And when you fast... Don't make it obvious, as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled so people would admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that it is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face. So what is really the importance of fasting? A lot of you say, well, it's denying myself of food and, and denying my flesh and just being miserable and kind of being hungry all the time and looking at five guys and being like, Lord, I just missed that five guys. Or uh, we live close to a Whole Foods and uh, one of the days we we're coming back home and I opened the car and my wife was getting out of the car and I was like, do you smell that? And she's like, smell what? the rotisserie chicken from Whole Foods. I just smell it. I don't really like it, but it just smells so good right now. It's not about just doing that, but it's a little bit more about that. And Jesus was talking about, it's not about showing off. It's not about telling people that you're fasting. Because sometimes people just look so sad when they fast. And they're just like, oh, I'm fasting. Are you doing okay? Well, you know, I'm just fasting. And they got the face that looks so sad. 
And Jesus is like, that's the only reward that they're going to get. But what is the deeper meaning of fasting? It's us trying to focus and spend time with God. And in those times that we are supposed to eat, we just exchange it and spend time in praying and spend time in the presence of God. And, you know, back then, this is just in my mind, they really didn't have a lot to to do, you know, it's like, I'm going to go pastor my sheep, uh, you know, I'm going to go wash my clothes by the river. And what do all Christians do today? We like to get together and break bread and eat some food, right? I mean, that's how I imagine they did it back then. They gather around, let's eat some food and let's go to work. But times has changed. Technology has changed and things are crazy uh, now today. And, and what can we potentially faster? What is taking up our time away from God Nowadays, one of those things is probably social media, right? I think they did a study, then millennials were off the hooks, baby boomers were off the hooks as well. They were saying that Gen Xers um, had, they spent on average, I think six and a half hours on social media, six and a half hours. I know some of you are like, oh my Lord, we spent that much time on our phones. We do. We can even catch ourselves doing it, right? We're bored. This kind of, this is like the, the trick. If you're awkward, everybody does it, right? We sit down, there's nobody around, or we don't know anybody. What is the first thing we do? Let me bust out my phone and just scroll through social media. It takes up a lot of our time, right? And all the women, yes, women. I, oh, Jason, I have not forgotten about you. I'm so sorry that your husband keeps watching SportsCenter, ESPN, football, soccer, baseball, whatever it may be for hours throughout the day. I'm so sorry. And as a millennial, I also want to say I apologize for Netflix. It is the worst thing we could probably ever done, right? Yes, yes. It is so sad that we have invented a term binge watching. And for you, if you don't know, you haven't experienced life, right? Don't, don't do this during the fast, but grab yourself some popcorn, all right, grab yourself a big cup with your favorite juice or soda, grab a little bit of covers, sit on your couch, and just pick a good show that has about 12 episodes, and sit down. I guarantee you, you're not just going to watch one, but you're like, oh, it's just so good. Continue watching? Why not? I'm sitting on my couch anyway, and it just keeps on going. And then about 10 hours later, time has passed, you're like, Lord, where has my time gone? And then you feel bad and you're like, I just need to spend a little bit of time with God and praying because I've watched so much TV. Yes. So what can we possibly restrict ourselves from? So it's not just simply nowadays restricting food, but I think it's going above and beyond and doing a little bit of extra because what is taking most of our time? If you don't know what it is, then you can just simply Take time and kind of annotate your day and log your day and being like, okay, this is where I spend most of my time with. Can I restrict this? Can I limit this? So that's what you should be doing if you ever fast. And talking about this all is, why does this all matter? Because when we pray, we're preparing for battle. In Ephesians 6, verse 12, it says this, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. And, and, and thinking about this and thinking about battle, um, whenever I was deployed to 
Afghanistan. Um, and, and some of you are like, oh, you're deployed for Afghanistan. You know, some people, they, during NFL, Super Bowl, they show all the troops, right? Like, oh, they're in camp so-and-so. And then, and then they cheer, like, yeah, right? And then you hear, oh, this comedian goes there and does concerts and, 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 and all this music and all these uh, musicians go there and do concerts for the troops. You know, I didn't stay where all that happened, okay? That's where the Army stays for their deployment. But... Where the Marines stay, we're in the front line. We are there where there's no electricity, there's no technology. That's where the Marines stay, and that's exactly where I was. And what's interesting is whenever we go to deployment, we usually take up a compound. Um, what a compound simply is, is they have their living quarters made of mud huts, and then they kind of surround their farm field with a wall, so we call that a compound. So whenever we take a compound, we kind of have to reinforce it to protect ourselves. And what we do is we kind of put sandbags on top of the roof to create outlook posts so we can kind of protect ourselves. Kind of like this, uh, my friend Christopher Riley, uh, standing post. We put these sandbags, but it's not just simply a layer of sandbags. It's probably four sandbags in front of him, and then we just pile up as much sandbags as we possibly can. And what the attention of what the importance of that is, is it can actually stop a round or it could stop a bullet. Yes, it can. What happens is, is whenever the bullet is traveling, it hits the sandbag, it impacts the sandbag, but it doesn't go all the way through. So that's where we can protect ourselves. And kind of remembering that, I remember one of the times that uh, we got shot at is... Uh, my friend was standing post, and all of a sudden, he was standing post, and an RPG goes right across his head, which is a rocket-propelled grenade. It just crosses over his head, and all of a sudden, we start to get shot at right then and after. So what my friend does is he just gets behind the sandbag, and he starts returning fire back. And that's kind of how I see us in the spiritual world or how I envision it. And how I see it as well is prayer is kind of like our sandbag right? Because when, during this time of prayer and fasting, we are preparing for something that is to come in the future. We don't know what it is, but we are trying to protect ourselves. So we put our sandbags of prayer. So every time we spend time with God, every time we invest time with God, we put a sandbag down. And another time, another day, we put another sandbag down. And that's how we are investing our time with God to protect ourselves because we are preparing for battle, and that's exactly what we should do because whenever problems come from the outside, trying to attack your family, trying to attack ourselves, trying to even attack our health or our problems, whatever, whatever problems you may be going through, whenever the enemy is trying to attack you, you know that you can get behind your sandbag at that time of prayer that you had invested with the Father and that God is going to protect you. And in, in Psalms 46, Verses 1 through 2, it says this, God is our refuge and our strength and always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble in the sea. You know what the interesting thing about this verse is? If you look at the, the definition of a refuge is, it's a condition of being safe or sheltered from pursuit danger, or trouble, refuge, so we can find our refuge in God. So whenever the enemy is trying to attack us, we can always hide behind 
the Father. But the cool thing about this is, and remembering my deployments, I remember we were outside patrolling as policemen do here, you know, maintaining security throughout the city. So we were patrolling a certain city, kind of maintaining security, and we started to get shot at. We didn't know exactly where we're getting shot at from, so we got down and we started to shoot. As they tell us, just start shooting the direction you heard the fire from. And all of a sudden, we, we started to shoot, and then we called in into our compound that had people on post and said, hey, we're getting shot at. We don't really know where we're getting shot at from. Just keep an eye out. And whenever we're able to single out where the enemy was shooting us from, we called into our base and said, hey, you, there's a tree line about 400 meters out. Do you see it? Can you uh, lay down some fire, which basically shoot some rounds down that direction so we can come back into our safety or come back into our refuge? So they provided cover fire for us, and we're able to get back into a compound and get back into our refuge and our place of safety. And I think about that as in prayer was never and always intended to be about ourselves and what we need. Prayer is also about other people. It's also about other people who are outside of the enemy lines and are outside of this family, outside of this church for us to pray over them. Because as my buddies provided overwatch for us to go back into our compound or go back into our base, that's the same exact thing that we should be doing for other people who are outside of our compound, outside of our base. So whenever somebody comes that they maybe look a little bit different and maybe they're like, oh, that's probably not a Christian because look at the way he's dressed, you know, oh, look at those tattoos or, or oh, his breath smells a little bit like cigarettes or he smells a little bit like alcohol. Instead of criticizing them, why don't you pray over them and provide some overwatch over their life until they can return safely back into the base? Or maybe it's a teenager. Maybe it's a, a student of another parent where you see like, ooh, did you see what they posted? Did you see what they put? Or did you see what so-and-so was wearing? Or did you see that so-and-so went to a party? Did you see they were holding a beard? They were holding a drink like, oh man, they're definitely away from God. And then you see up, up at church and you kind of look at them with a judging eye being like, I know what you did right? But instead of criticizing them and gossiping them, why don't we pray over them and provide overwatch over them so they can come and return to the Father into a place of safety, into a place of refuge? Because prayer is not only about us. You're not here just for you because maybe you already come here. You already know the good news. You already know Jesus, but you have to take a step forward and you have to you say, you know what? I know I'm getting the good things, I'm getting the blessings of God, and my life is all right, my life is fine, my life is perfect, but God never intended you to keep whatever was good because we operate from the what? From the overflow of whatever the Spirit of God is filling us. So whenever you start to overflow, don't keep it for yourself and start to bless other people's lives. Start to reach out to others because if you're not currently praying for somebody that is not a Christian, then we got a little bit of issues because you're just sitting up on post and just being a little bit complacent, then all of a sudden you're saying, ah, you know, my life is perfect. I don't know what God has for me. I don't know what the next step is. 
can I tell you? I can tell you right now what the next step for God in your life is. If for you to start praying over somebody that's not Christian and start loving them and say, you know what? You want to come check out my church? You know, uh, we're pretty cool. We're not, we, we don't do a lot of weird things, but you want to come and check it out and, and, and let the Holy Spirit do the rest. We are called to love on other people. You don't have to convert them. All you have to do is love on them and the Holy Spirit will do the rest. We got to stop being selfish and we got to start taking the kingdom of God by storm. So as called people, as believers, I would invite you. There's only a week left, but there's enough time for you to come and pray and fast with us and start putting your sandbags down here at IFC and invest your time of prayer and pray over our church. Because whenever the enemy comes and attacks your family or attacks any of our families, we, can, we already know that we are protected and we already know where we can run to and we can find the rest refuge in the Father. So let's come together and let's pray. It's not only about us, but it's about the, the heart of God. It's about what is in God's heart because we are the representatives of Jesus Christ here on earth. So we are the vision of his perfect love. So what do we have to do? We have to love on people. That's exactly what we are called to do. And I invite you to please stand at this time. And remembering our big takeaway, our big takeaway of today is prayer and fasting are made to be simple, that anyone is able to do it. It's not about what we do outwardly, but it's what is in our heart that matters. You know why it's, this all matters? You know why this is so important to pray and fast and to get close to God? It's because that your life and those around you depend on it. Don't be complacent. We are in a battlefield. Everything might be okay right now, but you never know when situations might change and you don't want to get caught slipping and might be caught like, oh Lord, I don't know what to do. But pray, invest your time with God, get close to the Father and he's going to get close to you. So at this time, I invite you to close your eyes. And maybe you're in here today and you're saying, Jason, I, you talked about this prayer and getting connected with God as a father. And I never heard about it that way. And I want to get to know this father a little bit more. Maybe you're in here today and you're just simply saying, I've gotten away from God and I just want to recommit my life to God. And God is such a loving gracious, merciful Father that He is always willing to accept us back whether this is your first time or your tenth time He is ready with His arms wide open to accept you back into His family. So if that's you today, I'm not going to ask you to do anything weird. I'm not going to ask you to come up here but what I'm going to ask you to do is, as a sign of you believing in God and accepting him into your heart, would you just raise your hand and say, yes, Jason, that is me. I want to accept Jesus into my heart. Or I want to recommit my life to him. 
Amen. I see you. It's just you and God who cares about people around you. Amen. I see you. There's no pressure. Just you and God. You and a loving Father. Amen. I see you. couple more seconds. God loves you. There's no baggage that is too heavy that he can't forgive. And there's nothing that you've done that cannot be forgiven. Amen. I see you. So let's all together as a family, let's pray this prayer. Father, I thank you for giving your son Jesus to die on a cross for me. Thank you that I can be freed, freed from my guilt, freed from my shame. Thank you that I today I accept Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. And I know that I'm being made a new creature, that my past is stuck in the past. And today is a day of new beginnings. I love you, and I'm excited of what you are going to do in my life. And it is your name we pray. Amen.